Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is October the 4th, 2017. It is a Wednesday. Wednesdays are interview day, and I have got an interview I've been waiting a long time to do. I'm really excited about it. I've got Matthew Carano on the line. Matthew Carano is one of the developers of The Swarm. What is The Swarm, you say? Swarm is in Swarm City, a revolutionary, decentralized commerce platform that solves the problem of reputation between parties who want to transact but don't need each other without a middle party. Matthew's going to be on the air with us in just a bit to discuss this and how it might actually revolutionize commerce in the world and yet another way to kind of, well, flatly stick it to the man. We don't need your third-party intervention. We have the technology now to do business directly with each other. Through the use of the platform at Swarm City and their virtual currency called Swarm City Tokens based on the Ethereum uh, protocol, people can do just that. Before we get Matthew on, let's go ahead and remind you about our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is Jeff the Berkey Guy Gleason at his website directive21.com. That's the word directive followed by the numbers two and one and a dot and a com. Jeff's been with the show now for, I guess, eight years. He's been a sponsor of the show. And, of course, what are you going to get from the Berkey guy? Well, Berkey water filtration systems, of course. One of the most important things to your prepping, I believe, is a clean source of water. And you need that every day, not just when things go wrong. So check out Directive21.com because, remember, you can get your Berkey anywhere. But there is only one Berkey guy, and that is Jeff the Berkey guy, Gleason. Next up today, Safe Castle Royal, the original Survival Podcast sponsor, the sponsor that's been with us since there was a sponsor. When there was no sponsors, there was Vic Rontala going, Jack, I, I, I kind of want to sponsor the Survival Podcast. Amigo and Vic, I don't have enough listeners yet. That was almost 10 years ago. Almost 10 years. I mean, we're nine and a half years into this journey now. Uh, about six months into it, Vic came to me and said, you know, we're ready. We want to do something. And I said, yeah, I, I'm, I'm willing to do that now. That was about nine years ago. Well, nine, eight years and some change, right? That'd be January of 2009. Uh, Vic Rontala and Safe Castle's team stepped up to sponsor the show. Guess what? It's 2017. They're still sponsoring us. That means when you need something for your prepping, you should consider that loyalty and go check them out at safecastle.com. Because if you need something for your prepping, Vic and his folks over there at Safe Castle probably have it. Next up, let's take a look at the year that was from history. We have the year 62 this year, 62 A.D. I have two segments today. I'll read one today and one tomorrow. I have the Parthian War, round two, from David Verne, and the Baths of Nero from Southpaw Ben. I'm going to read the Baths of Nero today just because we haven't heard from Ben for a while. This year, Nero finally completes his bath. It's a covered area, 208 yards by 131 yards. Think about that before I go on. 208 yards, the distance of two football fields, and the width of one plus a little bit covered. Built in the year 62. It's a pretty big feat of engineering. Uh, the bath would stay in use until at least the 5th century, and needed only one restoration to survive that long. It's believed to be the first of the imperial-type complex baths, which would be repeated by future August figures attempting to enshrine uh, their and their family's name and honor throughout history, sometimes successfully, sometimes not. 
This bath was supplied by the Aqua Virgo, which is one of the 11 aqueducts used to supply Rome with water and was completed in 19 uh, B.C. Uh, so that's the aqueduct that was completed in 19 B.C. Of course, this bath completed in the year 62 B.C. My take by South Bobet, not to be confused of the Baths of Nero and Pisa, which is a misnomer for the medieval period. The Baths of Nero were rebuilt by Alexander's service somewhere between 227 and 229 and renamed the Baths of Alexander in his honor. Today their location is shown by the Pisa del Ronda and contains a fountain constructed in 1575 by Pope Gregory VIII and redone in 1711 to its current appearance. As an American, it's hard for me to truly appreciate just how many layers of centuries of history exist and are well documented in the old world as compared to us where old cities are from the 1700s. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I always think sooner or later I need to go visit Europe. To stand in a city whose history is thousands of years versus hundreds of years and just to understand it. Um, I, I'll tell you my take on this, though. So Nero is a psychopathic, murderous killer. I mean, even for a Roman emperor, this guy is a serious nutjob, as we'll see in future history segments. And my point here is, were the baths of Nero useful? Were they useful? Did people look at that and go, that's a good thing. We like having that there, and we will use it. Yes, even though it came from a psychopath. This is the Marauds' argument. This is, but without government, how would we have roads? And again, many people like me are like, you know what, if the government only built roads, we'd probably have a lot less of a problem with it. We could get rid of a lot of shit before we get to Marauds. But this is basically, the, the, the see, the Marauds argument's really not about Marauds. It's about people pointing to things the government does and says, without government, how would we? Or, well, look, the government does this, and you say you don't like the government, but you use it. Even a complete psychopath like Nero can build something that, well, was useful to his people for longer than the United States has existed, even as a set of colonies. About 500 years, 400 years, I guess, if you look at the, those dates there, actually. 400 years and change. Uh, these things work with one upgrade. Nero is still a psychopathic killer, and statism still is the most dangerous religion in the world. My take by Jack Spierko. Before I bring Matthew on to talk about Swarm City, let me remind you real quick. If you want to support this show, the best way you can do that is to become a member of the Member Support Brigade today. Just go to the survivalpodcast.com and click on Members to learn more, see all the great companies that give you discounts, all the great extra stuff you get, and it comes out to supporting the show at about 18.3 cents an episode. And with that, I want to bring our special guest on again, Mike, uh, Matthew Carano from Swarm City, again, a decentralized commerce platform that solves the problem of reputation between parties who want to transact but don't know each other Without a middle party. Matthew, with that man, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Thanks, Jack. It's a pleasure to be on. Hey, I'm, I'm really glad to have you on. Due to a snafu on my end, you actually put in a guest form like a couple months longer ago than I thought you did, and we had a delay <laughs> in getting you on. But uh, we got no you. I'm excited about Swarm City. I think it's one of those unique projects in the cryptocurrency world that's. Uh, That's actually more of an ecosystem than just, oh, here's another altcoin you should buy because it's on Bitrix yep. or whatever, right? But before we dig into Swarm City, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, how did you get into the world of helping to develop, you know, alternative or cryptocurrency in the first place? Like, what, like, you're, you're in high school trying to figure out what to do with your life, you know? <laughs> I don't know, trying to get the nerve up, ask some girl out in the row next to you or something. And you're also trying to figure out what to do with yourself. How do you go from that guy to the guy that's doing what you do today? 
Well, you know what? I've done a bunch of different uh, entrepreneurial exploits in my life. Um, everything from, I mean, my wife and I even owned a, a restaurant uh, here in New Hampshire. Uh, my wife's a, a Brazilian woman and, and she wanted to do a cafe that, that was similar to something that, that, you know, that felt like home to her. So we, we even did that for a couple of years. But, but yeah, I mean, I just, I was a lender. Um, I did commercial and, and real estate lending. I, I managed some large, uh, medical practices. Um, and the, the cool thing I think is in my early twenties and my first job working for a doctor, they really took a lot of time with me sort of getting me to understand how to run a business and, uh, you know, and, and sort of getting my entrepreneurial juices flowing. Um, and so it, uh, to the point where like, it was an, it was just this office job and, and at, like two years in, I was like, you, you guys, you've created a monster. Like you can't pay me enough anymore because now I know all this cool stuff and I want to go make my mark on the world. But, but, it, uh, but actually it was during, uh, my wife and I owning a restaurant that, um, in 2011, I, I became infatuated with Bitcoin. Um, there's a pretty strong cryptocurrency, uh, you know, community here in, in New Hampshire. And I, I ended up meeting Eric Voorhees was here for a while. So we, you know, we hung out a couple of times and, and, uh, I, I'd heard of Bitcoin before, but I didn't understand it until I saw him do a presentation and then it clicked and I was like, Oh yeah, this is, this is amazing. Uh, so we, we were the first restaurant in New Hampshire to accept Bitcoin in 2000, maybe it was early 2012 at that point. And yeah, I've just been in the space since. And then, uh, the, the, you know, Swarm City, you probably know, came from this project called Arcade City, which came from this movement, this free Uber, Uber movement, uh, that, uh, was a response to Portsmouth, New Hampshire, just a neighboring city of mine out, basically virtually, uh, basically outlawing, uh, outlawing Uber kind of by proxy. Um, so I, I, I watched that whole thing and experienced that whole thing. And, and, uh, you know, long story short is I, I, I invested in that project. And when you may know this, I think you've talked about this on the show before perhaps, but, but, uh, there was a split, uh, between, you know, the, the, the sort of the founder of arcade city and the devs that are producing swarm city. There was a split there and, when that split happened, I really started paying attention because my money was was in the was in these arcade tokens, and I wanted to know what the hell was going on. So I really started pressing both sides: uh, the the devs um, who are now Swarm City, and Christopher David, who who started Arcade City, and it became very clear quickly that the devs from from Swarm City knew what they were doing. So I I started kind of helping them out, um, doing communications for them. I I like. You know, they're, they're European, so English is their second language. So I was, I was editing some of their posts and we just became more and more comfortable with each other. And now I'm, you know, as every, every bit as much of that project as they are, we're friends and we, you know, we, we would just work on this thing together. It's like a, it's like this big friend group working on this, on a project together. It's cool. Yeah. It's very cool kind of how you, you came into that role. Um, yeah. as you did that, so is your role, you're not in the developmental side, then you're more on the, the communications outward facing side. Yeah. So we like, you know, we, we kind of talk about expressing the concept and some of us express it in code and that's not me. <laughs> some okay. of it, you know, some of us express it visually, you know, doing, uh, that's what Faffy does. And, and some of us express it using words. And so I, I'm, I'm the word guy. Very, very cool. Um, 
Can, can you maybe talk a little bit more about how it came to be? I mean, I have kind of mentioned in the past that it came from an attempt to outlaw Uber, but what was what was this first entity? What happened to it? How did that break happen? Was it a happy breakup or an angry breakup? And 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 how did that all flesh out? Well, I'd say it, it was happy for me because I think the best <laughs> possible outcome happened. You know. Okay. Um, after I, after I got to know the dev team, uh, so it's this, this dev group from Antwerp, right? Uh, after I got to know them, they were already trying to solve the things that Swarm City is solving now. Like they were already trying to do this with a project in Antwerp, Antwerp prior. So they had this, like, um, this knowledge and, and understanding of how to use Ethereum in, in, in order to solve these issues, which we can talk about. It's basically an issue of reputation. We can talk about that after, but. But they were already working on that stuff. So, so from my perspective, like I'm really glad the split happened because they just they had this expertise already. Uh, but I'm also very thankful because so so the like I said the in in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, they made some some rules um, that it, you had to get licensed if you were an Uber driver. And if you know anything about this community, the Seacoast community is of New Hampshire is is uh, you know like ten or twelve towns and cities, um, all in very close proximity to each other. And if every, and so if you're a driver, if you're an Uber driver, you tend to go between these towns and cities. You're bringing people from one place to another, from one city to another. Right. So, so for them to have to get licensed in every single one of these cities or towns is just ridiculous. Like they, you know, even if it's whatever, 200 bucks a year or whatever, that's, that's, that you don't want to pay $2,000 to be an Uber driver. Yeah, if, if it was one license, it might suck. The government yeah. sucks. We all know that, but okay, fine. Yeah. That's the play of the game. But this was clearly, if they did that, they knew what they were doing. And this was a, yeah. let's shut them down. We'll make it look like there's a path, but we'll make sure the path is basically on fire. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a path, but there's mines, landmines. So you have to get your shovel if you yeah. want to go through there. Right. So, uh, so what ended up happening is, uh, Christopher David decided to protest that. And, um, I mean, the whole thing was ridiculous, but anyway, he, he protested it in, in really cool ways. And, uh, and he actually rallied the community, got a lot of press around it. And so he decided that he wanted to, to create this, um, this decentralized rideshare app that couldn't, couldn't be shut down. And, and he was, he was part of my community here in New Hampshire. So I, you know, I'd, I'd met him and talked to him and, and stuff. And, and even I remember early discussions with him and I was like, Hey, if you solve this for rideshare, you solve it for all commerce. And so he's like, yeah, I know. All right. Okay, great. So, so he, uh, he started, uh, you know, he, he ended up, I guess Uber right after that point pulled out of, uh, Austin, which had a huge rideshare community. So he ended up going there, um, and ended up getting all these, you know, all this publicity and all these people interested and in, in even creating um, Facebook rideshare groups with tens of thousands of people in it. I mean, it was really this this cool movement. Uh, but he didn't have the technical expertise to create the the infrastructure, the the actual application. He, you know, he's not a Ethereum developer, so that's and and I think he'd he'd probably gone through he'd raised some funds, but he'd gone through some funds, uh, and so you know. It, he made, but the cool thing is he made all this noise, all like that, such that the dev, uh, Flurkle, King Flurkle, uh, one of the devs in, from Antwerp saw, you know, saw that, you know, this publicity that he was getting and he reached out and spoke to this woman, Jen, who's, who's, uh, still with us in, in Swarm City, but who was, you know, helping in Arcade City at the time, reached out and said, Hey, you know, it looks like you're trying to do this. You've released the first version of an app. Doesn't look like it's on the Ethereum blockchain, but this is what we do for a living. Can we help? 
And two days later, Christopher David's on a plane to, to Belgium to sit with them and write essentially the white paper and to do the token sale. So, so that's how like the whole kind of beginning happened. And then the split happened when, um, when, so if you look at it from a dev standpoint, you know, if you're an open source project, your reputation lies in the code that you write and the URL that it's, that it's attached to. And, uh, in order for the devs to take part in this, this project, uh, Chris had some, you know, some, some past demons that were following him around and they wanted to make sure that, you know, that wouldn't hurt the project. And so he'd agreed to take on a certain role within the project. He was, you know, he, he founded it. He was getting credit for that, but and he was getting a certain amount of tokens for that, but he couldn't, you know, have fiduciary responsibility for one thing. And, you know, the assets, the, the URL, specifically arcade.city had to get turned over to the devs so they could start applying their code to it. And, uh, he was fine with that, but apparently, I don't know, four or five, six weeks in, he was really stalling, stalling. And then it, it wasn't going to happen. He was, he ended up not being happy with the arrangements after the fact and used, tried to use that as leverage, use the arcade.city as leverage. So the devs were like, okay, <laughs> well, then you can keep it and we'll <laughs> brand fork. Sure. Uh, which, which is when I started, you know, I was paying attention before, but that's when I really perked up because I, I was like, oh, well, the arcade city brand has value because there's all these people and these rideshare groups and yada, yada. So what are you guys doing? You know? Yeah. Um, but it, it, like I said, after talking to them, it became really clear that they knew what the heck they were doing, and it, it really worked out for the best. It, nothing could have worked out better because, you know, the project is going along really well, and yeah, I'm excited to be a part of it. So Arcade City's doing their thing. You're doing your thing. What are the yeah. the main conceptual pillars of Swarm City? What what is Swarm City now built on? Yeah. So. You know, the first thing I think you need to understand is, I mentioned this before, is like reputation is what we're trying to solve. Like, and if you think about it, like in a free society, how do we, how do we, how do we promote good actors in a free society? Well, we use reputation. I mean, if we don't want third party interference, we need some way to use reputation because people are going to interact in this world, right? Like we're going to, we're going to transact with each other. You know, we're going to participate in commerce. We're going to communicate with each other and we don't always know each other in person. Um, but, but we can, you know, we can give each other value, right? So how do we know that we can transact with, with people, we can converse with people. We need a way to make sure that their reputation is solid. And, and in general, like that's what commerce platforms do. So I I always say Swarm City is a, a decentralized commerce platform, but there are plenty of commerce platforms out there. If you think about it, it's like Amazon is or eBay is and even Uber is. All they are is just a, a meeting place for, for two people to go to find each other and transact. And and these commerce platforms, what they do is they, they create this infrastructure to basically vouch for, for all, all the players. So so like if you're doing a transaction on on Amazon, you don't have to trust the person you're transacting with. You're trusting that Amazon has flushed out whether or not they're cool, right? Yeah. So, you know, so, but, but the way that these, these companies do it, Amazon, Uber, all of them do it is they, they build a lot of infrastructure. They build a very centralized system, you know, with, um, you know, with their servers and their, their security measures and all that and all, and those things cost a lot of money to the tune of like, if you're an Uber driver, they charge, uh, Uber charges their drivers up, you know, somewhere around 30% for every drive they do or, Amazon charges 12 or 15% for every transaction. That's, that's a, a good chunk of change that's coming from the people 
you know, who are creating the business. If they weren't there in the first place, there would be no, no business, right? So, sure. So what Swarm City is, it's, it's a decentralized commerce platform. We figured out that by using this one, these wonderful tools that Ethereum gave us, that the blockchain, which is the public ledger, and smart contracts, which is a way to program how a deal works before you ever get into it, by having those tools, we don't need third parties to vouch for each other on a reputation, uh, for reputation. We can use, we can use smart contracts. We can use, uh, the blockchain to do that for us. So, um, so that's sort of the explanation of. So, so of, just before you continue there, like, yeah. So what we're not saying is we're not saying Uber doesn't provide value for what they charge. We're right. not saying Amazon doesn't charge, provide value for what they charge. We're saying that if we can do that without them so that that value can be provided by something like Swarm City, where that overhead doesn't exist, then the members using it can do better for themselves, charge less for the same service, make a better profit, be more sustainable, that type of thing. Yeah, so definitely. Uh, but I would also like to say a couple, a couple things. Though. So I totally agree they provide a service, but there's also risk with the way that they provide their sure. service too. And one of the risks is they're a honeypot, right? Like if you're a centralized service. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Right? And, Digital and sharecropping, man. That's right. You know, they're a target for you know, Amazon holds credit cards and, you know, a bunch of information on people that are just ripe for, for the hacking. So they're in a constant battle of defending themselves against hacker attack. And it's only a matter of time before they get, they get, they get breached because everybody gets breached. Like it just, you know, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Target, like everybody that you see, Equifax, right? Just happened. Everybody gets breached. So when you contain all your information in one location, then you know you're ripe for the picking. So number one, that that's an issue, which you won't have in a decentralized system like Swarm City. Uh, it's it's individuals in a public ledger. It's not it's not this one place where people can steal stuff from you. So so there's that. But there's also a philosophical issue that I that I take with these centralized systems, and that is whenever there is a third party in a deal, they always have the power, right? Yep. Like no, no matter if you and I are in a deal and we're both into it, right? I have a product and you want my product and I, I we agree on the terms. Amazon can just step in and say, no, I'm not going to let you sell that to that person. Yeah, and then the shut deal me is down done. as a seller or it, you know, it is analogous to what YouTube's recently done with many channels. That's right. They exactly. built their whole business on everything that they did. They built on the fact that they could monetize their videos through an ad platform and YouTube, Google just says, eh, not anymore. Yeah. And what do you do? Yeah. You bet I mean, over you need... and take it, really. I mean, that's... That's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, so that's why I think... So decentralized solutions, really, you there, if there's no middle party, there's no one who can say no. There's no one that can shut you down. So, so that... And I see the same with the state. The state is just a third party providing a service, right? And... And, and why do we need the state? We need the state because of reputation reasons to, you know, to, to keep us safe. Or at least that's what they, they say that they're doing, right? But if there's a way for us to, to, in a decentralized way, prove our reputations to each other, then we don't need the state either. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, yeah. that's one of the many things that the state says we need them for that I feel like cryptocurrency in the entire space is beginning to go, well, not so much. Yeah, not not as much anymore. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, so, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, you you go. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I'm a voluntarist, aka anarchist, but voluntarist is a little more marketable in this day and age because the way they've ruined the word. So That's I right. am for a stateless society. However, I will acknowledge 
that there are things the state does that work out okay or are useful, but it's right. not. So, so our our role in moving toward more and more liberty and freedom is not to destroy that, but to replace that. Yes, let's find solutions that work better. Right, that that work better and that are not well, that are you know. Can we do it without stealing? Can we do like, it without stealing? Start it, it right violence? there, right? Can, let's That's be it. honest. Can we can we find a solution to this problem without stealing from people? That's exactly that right. Would be a preferable. I think most people, if they were to be honest and back up and get the emotion out of it, would go, "Well, if we can do it without stealing people from people, we might as well." Taxes, then we should, right? And and I think the problem is most people can't see how, and and that's what I see many people in your space attempting to address. Yeah, yeah. So earlier you asked me, so what are the pillars of of uh, of Swarm City? Um, how does it kind of work? Is that is that what you'd like to know? Is that something I should talk about? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, all right. So probably the best way to illustrate how it works is if we just talk about a specific deal. And rideshare is a very easy way to do it. Although, you know, you can do it. You, all types of commerce works in, in Swamp City. Um, but basically we use, uh, we use hashtags in order to communicate over, um, in order to provide context for the type of deal we want to enter in. So, Say um, I'm a, I need to get a ride somewhere and you're a rideshare driver, uh, we might use the hashtag need a ride. So hashtag need a ride. And, uh, and I, I would go into the hashtag need a ride and, and I would submit a request. I would say, I need a ride from this location to this location. And you on the other end, because you're a rideshare driver, in your area you know that people are, are requesting on this hashtag, you'd be searching by it. And you would see mine and you'd be like, oh, I'm in that neighborhood. And yeah, 10 bucks. He's offering 10 bucks for that ride. I can do that. It's perfect. You click on it. You say, I'd like to take that deal uh, and I'll, I'll be there in five minutes. And basically the two of us agree on the deal together in the app. Um, and when we do that so that the hashtag is not just the context uh, of the deal that we're doing, but it's also the, the smart contract. So that hashtag will then... Um, Automatically, when we both say we're, we want to do the deal, take funds from our individual wallet and place it in essentially escrow. Like it, it takes it from, from, it takes, you know, 10 from you and 10 from me and puts it into an escrow. So that way at the end of the deal, you know, when you've driven me to my location and I indicate in the app, yeah, everything worked great, it then, it automatically without having to do, you know, without having to do anything, it already has the funds, it sweeps the funds into your account. It does it on its own. So, so like I said earlier, a smart contract is just a way to um, to program how a deal works before you get into it. That hashtag is programmed so that it does these actions automatically as long as we both commit to a deal, say yes to a deal, and that at the end of it I say everything is good. And then and that, that kind of does something that Uber does in a way because one problem a taxi driver will run into sooner or later is I'll stick my hand up, he'll pull over, he takes me where I want to go, and I don't have any money. Right. Right. So like to, to summon the ride, you have to basically almost, it's a, like a privilege stake. Here is my SWAT that I can pay for this. I have to have it before I ask for it. Right. That's right. Yeah. I need to, I am saying that I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I'm saying I'm going to show up and I'm going to show up because there's incentive for me to do that. You don't want some drunk guy at a bar, you know, just ordering rides over and over and over and having people show up and he's got no skin in the game. Right. That, that just wouldn't work out for anybody. So so yeah, so you you both both parties are putting up funds saying I will be there and I'll be a good actor. And then the cool thing is at the end, once the transaction's over and as long as nobody disputes the transaction, 
then the smart contract mints us both reputation tokens. So basically reputation points. So like you would get one reputation point, excuse me, for doing a deal in Niederride, and so would I. And so that way, you know, if I've done, you as a driver, you've done a thousand deals in hashtag Niederride, you'd have a, or successful deals, you'd have a thousand um, Niederride reputation points, right? So that people from the outside who are considering whether or not they want to hire you in the future, they'd see that you've been successful in all these rides before. So, you know, there's a, a pretty good likelihood that you're a responsible person and, uh, and they might choose to, you know, to use you over someone who doesn't have any reputation, um, points in hashtag need a ride. Does that sort of make sense? It does make sense. And it also, I think over time starts to address the concern because if this is going to be used in places where let's say Uber has been banned, Yep. You can see that eventually the, the man might start putting out, you know, I'm a guy that'll give you a ride and show up and, you know, shut you down or whatever. But, you know, you, you, once you develop reputation, if you destroy reputation, you don't just get it back, if that makes sense. Yeah, so it's you more than just it. quality of service. It's also like, are you legitimately part of this community? Yes. So in order for someone to infiltrate, they would have to do so many rides, so many drives <laughs> or rides that they're already, you know, they've done so much good for the for the ecosystem. Like they'd have to do, you know, hundreds of rides in order for potentially for that. And I guess the rider would be the same way. Like if I wanted yeah. to be like because the, the, the ideal position for the narc, if you want to use that term, right, would not yeah. be the driver. It would be the rider, right, sure. coming a ride, but. At some point, like if you if you burn somebody, okay, well you're burned, okay, you're done. You 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 shut down one driver, you know, and wrote him a ticket, okay, yeah, you're done. You, you, you can't done. just keep doing it that way. No, no, yeah. So that so that's definitely part. Of, and and the other thing too is it's it's not just you're not just seeing total reputation. You're seeing reputation per context. So if okay. so in hashtag need a ride, right? You get all you if you do all these rides or drives, you you have all these these reputation points in need a ride, but but like, what if you're also, a, you know, a swarm B and B type of person, and and you rent out your, you know, your your home um, to people who, you know, who come in and stay for a short short while? Well, if you do transactions and hashtag swarm B and B, well, you're getting reputation there as well. So now you can see that when you're doing deals with people, you'll see sort of their full reputation that's attached to their public key, their their public persona. So if they, you know, if they they're doing deals and a hundred different, um, a hundred different hashtags or a hundred different contexts. You can you can see the things that they value, right? You get a, a pretty good understanding of what type of person this this is by what they value, what they spend money on, what they transact on. Awesome, awesome. So, can you maybe talk about like what would might be be some other uses? Rideshare has been something like this kind of was launched with, but yeah. you guys see this is a is a much bigger thing than just because it, it's not designed to be like just an uber replacement this is That's designed correct. to be a decentralized commerce platform that would enable anybody to do business so how yep. might that work in some other scenarios so well first of all pretty soon so once our version two is out which which is happening happening uh relatively soon people are going to be able to or soon thereafter people will be able to create their own hashtags their own smart contracts, right? So you'll have people who someone will create hashtag need a ride and it'll be their responsibility to make sure that it, cause that's a marketplace, make sure that their marketplace is running well and they would handle disputes if there are any. Um, 
But yeah, it's it's not just rideshare. It could be so hashtag need to shop, right? It could be an Amazon replacement too, where people are are listing goods and services, and and someone would request, oh, I'd like, you know, I need to buy this yellow shirt, <laughs> um, and people would, you know, would respond to that, oh, I can give you that that exact yellow shirt for for ten SWAT. Oh, I'll do it for nine fifty, or oh, I'll do it for eight, um, including shipping, and then you know they can. They can once again choose on the vendor that they want to in that in in that marketplace in that uh, hashtag need to shop marketplace. Um, it's it's really anything. It's any any peer to peer like a like a swarm B and B or like a like an Uber or any retail or any service like you know need a uh, need a contractor or whatever hashtag contractor. I need a plumber to do this job for my house. And you just you would put that request out there and. And you'd have contractors on the other end saying that are searching that that hashtag for for people in their area, and they'll say, "Oh yeah, I, you know, I can I can fix your. I specialize in leaky toilets. I'll be over there in you know in ten minutes." So I'll, does I'll anybody be, uh, own that hashtag? Is that just a is it, you know Twitter? Anybody can use any hashtag, but they tend to end up meaning something specific. Is there yeah. like is it almost like a mini franchise, or is it you know like? Within this swarm, are there like you know individual hives, or I mean, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, hives is a concept too, which we'll talk about. But but a hashtag can be owned by anybody, so anybody will be able to create their own hashtag, their own marketplace. Okay. So hashtag Need a Ride is is a ride share marketplace, but there might be hashtag Need a Ride New Hampshire or hashtag Zoom Zoom. I mean, it doesn't matter. But, but if I make a hashtag Need a Ride Azel. You know, in Texas or something like that. Yeah. Does that then become my hashtag? It's yours. Uh, yeah. And so what you would what you would do is your incentive is to create a really good marketplace on that hashtag of people doing rideshare. Okay. Uh, and by being very fair in your disputes, because you are charging a very small fixed transaction fee for every transaction that happens to your hashtag. So your job, your goal is to is to be a great a great marketplace is to create a very fair marketplace for people to 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 do their business. Yeah. So how how do I do that? I mean, what influence do I like? So let's say I, so I'm I'm learning something I totally didn't know, which is great. So yeah. let's say I create a hashtag for I don't know what. Just it doesn't even matter what it is, and I create this marketplace that's unique to my North Central Texas market, and I start promoting it. Like, what can I do that actually has any influence or control or authority over that marketplace with that hashtag? Oh sure, uh, you could do many things. Like you could. You could market it uh, for so so people know that your your marketplace is the best to go or best place to go to you know to get the the, the types of goods or services that you offer right. Um, you could make sure that your dis, your dispute resolution is top of the chart amazing, like the fairest. Um, and that's what so this is a concept too that uh, that I should I should bring up Uber for us is is two things combined that shouldn't be together. It's it's the marketplace and it's the drivers together uh, in this one thing. Uber controls both. And in, in Swarm City, you have another concept called hives, which are communities that group together with the same sort of cause. So a group of, of drivers who mm -hmm. band together to who want to share their reputation, basically, that they would create a hive. And that hive would operate in, in marketplaces that they choose. So maybe this hive would operate in hashtag need a ride, the hive of drivers, right? And so you want, so the marketplace wants to be fair to the drivers, to those hives, and wants to be also fair to the, to the, um, you know, to the, to the people who are, who are 
getting the services provided to them. And so Uber right now, you have to – they combine those two concepts together. They're the marketplace and the drivers. So who are they going to be fair with? They're yeah. probably going to be fair with the, you know, the people who are, who are getting the rides more so than their drivers because they need – those people to you know to pay to pay the bills. Sure, um, they're the they're they're the gas that makes the engine go. Basically, the um, the service seekers. And so, if you're an Uber driver, you're like, ah, well, who's got my back then? Well, in Swarm City, your hive, the person who owns your hive or 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 uh, runs your hive, would have your back in in those situations. So, the marketplace, the owner of the marketplace incentive is to is to do what's best for the marketplace. The the person who who runs the hive. Their incentive is to do what's best for the hive. Does that sort of make sense? No, it makes sense. And it also kind of yeah. solves another issue that I just became aware of with Uber. So I just spent a week in Asheville, North Carolina, and we, yeah. we, we rented a car, but in the evening when we went to dinner and all, we're going downtown, we're going to drink. You know, Uber's seven bucks there and seven bucks back. That's a lot cheaper than a DUI, right? Yeah. Definitely. So you just, you just don't <laughs> mess with it, right? So we talked to, we always, I always talk to Uber drivers because they're entrepreneurial people. And I like to tell them about what you're doing and other things in cryptocurrency because yeah. they're usually open to that. Um, but I was talking to this one girl, and she said, you know, I had, I had thought about kind of traveling around the country this year. But if you're an Uber driver, you don't take your reputation with you. If you go to a right. new market, you have to reapply to that market and start with zero reputation. That's right. Where the concept of a swarm is you kind of go where – so, I mean, like – because I never really thought about it, but, like, if I was – If I was 21 years old, straight out of the army again, like I was, God, I don't even want to say how long ago now, but okay. several decades, um, and I wanted to travel the country, what a great freaking way to travel the country. You, you, you Uber or Lyft or whatever, and you go, okay, I want to live in San Francisco for uh, a month. Well, when yeah. you go there, you just automatically flip your app on and you start, but you can't do that. And I That's didn't right. realize you couldn't do that. Apparently with Lyft, you sort of can, but with Uber, you can't. So with what you're doing, no matter what you were doing, if it was pet sitting, if it was part-time automotive repair or detailing, right? All yes. of those things, it's portable. So for the, the this just generation of millennials is very much on they want freedom to move, yep. right? Yep. It's perfect for that. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it's because of the it's because of the blockchain, right? So because our reputation is affixed to our public private key pair which is just our you know our persona our online persona our in app persona it's affixed to the blockchain it'll never change it's it's irrefutable and it go and it's portable it goes with you just as long as you use your um you know it, it's just it, whatever your pub, your public profile is whatever that is it's it's going to be attached to that um so yeah you take it with you that's totally right So if I understand you right, let's say I came up with this brilliant idea that I wanted to start marketing and I wanted to start building up and I, I create a hashtag for it. Essentially, that hashtag within Swarm City becomes Jack Spierko's company. Yes, that's right. Um, and so, oh, you, you know what? I just wanted to, to – this gets into that too, but I wanted to finish up. You asked before sure. like what things you could do uh, as a hashtag. Going around. Another thing is you want to make your public-facing – Um, app, I guess, the interface in which the public interacts with your hashtag as awesome as possible. So there's, this no, there's another concept in Swarm City that we call storefronts or the storefront. And the storefront is a, is a GUI. It's a graphic user interface that attaches to your hashtag. And it's the forward face uh, so that the public is not dealing with the, with the blockchain at all. They're dealing with what looks like to them as an app. So say you're a, say you, we'll just use the ride share again. Say you use hashtag need a ride 
that's your you own Jack, you own that that hashtag. You would want a storefront that caters to the people who are using your hashtag. And so I would probably assume that you would want a map, right? That that shows the location of the drivers. Um, so that when, when a, you know, a, a service seeker is using it, they can see that the driver is coming towards them, right? You'd probably want a map. You'd probably want, uh, you know, maybe you'd want, we've got the empirical reputation, blockchain reputation, but you might want some subjective rep- reputation too, so that, you know, users could say, oh, I like this driver, and the drivers could say, oh, yeah, I like this, you know, five stars or four and a half stars or whatever. You may also want um, the ability for the drivers to upload a, a picture of their car, their license, uh, their insurance information, that sort of stuff. So another thing you can do is make it extremely easy and user-friendly for people to use your your hashtag, your marketplace. Gotcha. And so, like, can you like what what of that is available right now? Like, I, so when when I first heard about Swarm City early this year, uh, I set up a, a wallet on my Mac. I bought some nice. SWAT, um, and it just kind of sat there. And I haven't really dug into it since you guys have done further development. So, like. If somebody wanted to start doing something like this today, is is this ready? How far down the dev pipeline are we? Sure. What would they do? Because when I when I log back into that on Swarm.city, all I see is a little icon of me and how much SWAT I have. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, you should also see, um, depending on if you've got your look, you should also see a, a hashtag, too. You should see hashtag pioneer. Do you not I see do, that? I do see okay, that, yeah. yes. Yeah, so if you click on that and just make you had you have to make sure your location services are on. Okay. Um, and you also have to uh, zoom out. You can see deals that are happening over that hashtag. So, so the it's the only thing that's live right now is basically our MVP. It's it's we're, we proved that you can do. Actually, I don't even know that is a, this has been done at all ever before we did it, but. We did, we, we proved that you could use blockchain and a smart contract to do deals in a decentralized way. And that's what hashtag pioneer is. It's the first marketplace, but it's pretty clunky. Like if you use it right now, it's really clunky, but it works. So, and what I mean by works is people, if you go into Swarm City and you click on hashtag pioneer, as long as you have some SWAT and a little bit, a little bit of ETH in there, um, then you can create a deal. You can say, Hey, I'd like this sort of thing. Hashtag pioneer. Hey, I'd like this sort of thing. And people might click on that and say, Oh, I'll provide it for you. And then once the deal is done, um, you know, the, the uh, funds, like I said, they go into escrow and then they get swept over to the, the person who's providing the service, um, or the item. And then you do get reputation tokens, uh, hashtag pioneer reputation tokens, which, you know, that's old school. If, if t- two years from now, five years from now, people with hashtag pioneer rep tokens are going to be like, the old guard. It's going to be pretty cool. So you may want to do some anyway, but okay. uh, but that's it. So it's really it's a pretty like primitive, but just prove that you can do it sort of thing right now. Uh, so what's happened? So that that uh, what you're looking at that is called what we call Boardwalk. Boardwalk is where marketplaces uh, happen, and in the next version of Boardwalk, you'll start seeing you know a bunch of different hashtags. They'll they'll list out there. Um, but version two of Boardwalk is what's being built right now. And so this like, hashtag need a ride isn't, it, it's an idea. It's not even a thing yet. Right now, everything's, yes, everything's under Pioneer. That's it. Yeah. Okay. And it, yes. So we'll start, you'll start seeing version two of that Boardwalk will be pretty soon. And, uh, we'll start heading toward the GUI thing and all. Cause I think that's really kind of what's 
Yeah. Needed. Okay. All right. Yeah. So well. Okay. So the so what'll happen is this. It's it's all uh, the the kind of the back end and the front end are all being made way more uh, user friendly and, and nicer for for Boardwalk. And pretty and right after that, uh, the first storefront will will happen. Um, and I'm pretty sure that it's going to be we're going to just develop hashtag Need a Ride and make a storefront for it because we want to provide the example for everybody so that they can follow. Because in the future. Any like JavaScript, uh, Polymer uh, developer will be able to create GUIs, will be able to create storefronts pretty easily. Um, so as soon as we create like a, a map for them to do so and an example for them to do so, anybody will be able to create their own and it'll, it'll be very clear on how to do it. What we're trying to do is we're trying to make it easy for people to interact with the blockchain and smart contracts um, so much so that they don't really know that they're doing it. So like yeah. creating your own hashtag is very easy in the system. You'll, uh, you can't do it now, but when you can do it, it'll be very easy. You'll hit a little plus button. You'll put in the name of your hashtag. Like it'll, it'll, it'll do all the back end work. Um, you know, interacting with the, the blockchain and with smart contracts for you. You won't see it like that. Yeah, I think that's really cool because that's what it, that's what it takes to get mainstream acceptance of anything. If it, if it, if it looks and works like something people are already familiar with, They become more comfortable using it. So, so with that, like, uh, you know, I had, I went out on, on Bittrex and I bought some SWAT and then I popped yeah. it over from Bittrex into my, uh, my device, uh, wallet on, uh, swarm.city, right? Yep. So like in the future, when someone like, let's say that like, you know, I'm younger than I am, you're younger than you are and we're, we're backpacking around or something and we meet each other at a hostel. And you say, I use Uber, Uber, and I'm like, I use this hashtag Niederride thing on Swarm.City. And, and you've never used cryptocurrency before, or you know, the only thing you've ever used is Bitcoin. What kind of processes are going to be for the person to get that, you know, that initial SWAT into their, their Swarm City thing so that they can start partaking in the marketplace? Is there going to be any way to do that, or are they going to have to continue to rely on exchanges or, or what? Yeah, so we're going to make it easier to do that, but you will need to start with something. You will need a crypto to start. Uh, I mean, you could always use Changely. I've, I've never used it, but I guess Changely you can use sure. with a credit card and buy buy swap that way. I've never done it, um, but uh, but we won't. We can't really put that type of uh, you don't want to be a money interaction money. in our. Yeah, we can't. Right, we can't put that sort of interaction. It's not decentralized anymore. It can be shut down if you put some sort of payment processor. In your decentralized app, you have a third party there suddenly. So, so you always will have to start with something. But exchanging from, you know, Bitcoin or Ether or whatever to swap will be very easy in the future to do in Swarm City directly. And I think, you know, the, the other side of that is the person that's going to use something like Swarm City is probably going to be familiar with and at least be using Bitcoin first. Yeah, I would think so. At least yeah. definitely in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So that, that, I mean, that's good because that's what I've always like. I've always kind of theorized about things like this. You're like really close to something I, I, I conceived of like years ago when Bitcoin first came out. Um, and I've seen some people take stabs at it, but I think it's actually more toward the, the real world it is a virtual nation. Yeah. Right. Like, so how do we write government out of this? And what people always say is, well, you can't because you're physically still located wherever you are. Well, if you take something like a Bitcoin or a Zcash that's anonymous and flip it over into something like a SWAT and put it into this decentralized platform that nobody can really hack because it's just a blockchain with a whole bunch of stuff that happened and you really have to interact with somebody individually and you still don't know who they are until they decide to tell you. 
you, yeah. you kind of can. You can kind of give the big middle finger to everybody and say, listen, for all the stuff that we can't handle on our own, we'll still play by your rules. But for all the stuff we can handle by ourselves, and this is what I've always said about cryptocurrency, not your money, not your business. That's right. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I then how so. do I shut how, how let's say if I'm if I'm the man and I want to shut you down, how do I really do that? I can come after you personally, Matt, but I I can't really shut down the technology. That's right. I mean once it's out there and lives, then um then yeah, it's it would be very difficult to because it's just yeah, it's a blockchain. I mean it's a public ledger, it's it's these are these are all open the open source projects, um Make it a lot easier to, to, or make it a lot of harder, a lot harder to find. You, there's no such limitation. If it was to easy to do, there wouldn't be a Bitcoin right now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's how, and this is like, see, that's what I love about what, what people like you guys are doing is, if you think for the for the the powers to be, if you think Bitcoin was a pain in the ass, right? This is a totally different level of pain. This is like a, a hemorrhoid on steroids for the system, right? Because this is so much more difficult to get your hands around. Because I think part of why Bitcoin was able to grow to what it did before they really kind of figured out, like, we need to do something about this, and then they couldn't, is their imagination of people that think in a bureaucracy is so limited. Mm -hmm. The concept that Bitcoin could ever become something didn't make any sense to them. Like, they just looked at it and went, There's, there's this, 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 this isn't going to work. I know. I'm going to use this. Yeah, it floors me. It floors me that when you're not account, when you do, when you encounter something like Bitcoin or, or cryptocurrencies and you don't immediately say, Oh yeah, this is exactly where we're going. Like this is, it's like seeing the internet for the first time. How do you not know that people are going to want to send in like freely send information to each other? Yeah. Like, how, yeah. It's, it's like the, the, this is just like levels us up by 20. I mean, it's yeah. such a big difference, uh, the the antiquated banking system versus a cryptocurrency. How do you not see it? Uh, I mean, but I'll admit, I did not get Bitcoin when it first came out and people started talking about it because it didn't make any sense to me. But I also didn't examine it. The second I actually examined it and I understood how it worked and I understood how it could not be counterfeited, I understood the immu immutability of the blockchain, and yeah. I understood how the limitation on the quantity and all of those things, I went, oh, this is going to radically shift the world and the people who are going to both be pushed out of the way by it do not see it and will, and they still don't, eight, you know, eight, nine years later. They still don't really see the problem. The problem to them is, well, people aren't paying taxes on it. Right. And that is so minor compared to the actual problem for them. It sure. is replacing them, and it's it's doing it in a disruptor way like like Uber did to taxis. What do the taxi service say? Well, it's all because it's cheaper. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's because no. I can pick my freaking phone up and yeah. go, I want to go here. That's eight bucks. There's the guy. Click. Oh, he'll be here in three minutes. I have time to put, you know, to uh, to brush my hair before I leave my hotel room and then yep. walk downstairs and get in a car. That's why people use it. It's not about the price because if you do Uber Black, it's about the same price as a taxi, and a lot of people choose that. It's convenience. It totally is convenient. completely changing the interaction and putting people in connection with each other so they can do business together. And then all you're doing is saying, well, okay, we're just going to take that to everything and knock sure. that, you know, that Uber or, yeah, pet sitting is one that I think would fit well. There's one called, sure. it's like called Rover, 
right? Yeah. So they are like the Uber of pet sitting. But do we really need Rover to determine whether or not you're qualified to watch my dog? Probably not. Probably. <laughs> It depends on what type of dog you have. But but what we do need is the transparency, right? And that's yeah. that's another thing that these services have, have provided, like Uber or Rover. I've never seen it. I don't have a dog, but but uh, but yeah, it's like it, it provides. I'm assuming Rover does, but Uber also provides transparency. We can see into the drive. We can choose the driver that we want. But the taxi company, you can't do that. Oh, the horror that you get to choose your own the driver that you yeah. want. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's how we're doing the same thing in, in Swarm City. It's just now it's in a decentralized way. There's no third party. Even Swarm City cannot get in the way of your transaction. Swarm City itself doesn't charge transaction fees. Swarm City doesn't have ownership of there's no server that stores your information on it. It doesn't work like that. Swarm City is can't even get in the middle of your transaction. So, so like a, a capitalist minded question then. What the hell is your incentive to do all this? Because I have no problem with Swarm City making a profit, right? Of course. If you yeah. don't make a profit, you can't keep doing what you do for me, and I don't like that. It makes me sad, especially not if I'm just a, not a customer. If I'm building a hashtag company in the Swarm, then I want to make sure that Matthew and everybody gets paid so that yeah. my stuff doesn't go away. So how do you guys monetize what you do? Is it through the issuance of, of currency? No, so well the currency's fixed, right? So okay. uh, well yeah, so we raised funds. Um the original token sale raised X amount of ether and well, that's so your initial that, funding, right? Right, so. of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that that did happen, but but just you know that there's a fix there can only possibly be nine and a half million approximately swarm tokens. Oh, so and that that can't change. Um, really? So you're a deflationary currency? That's correct. Yeah. Oh, see, yeah. I like that because most things built on Ethereum, they just make a gazillion of it and sell it a crowd sale, and you know. yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, but so so there's that. But but the reason why it's well, first of all, you know, I got to say, like philosophically, um, for people like me, and and I'm assuming you too, like that means a lot, right? Like I I am philosophically aligned with this project unlike I've been aligned with anything else I've done in my entire life. So that, that holds some weight. Um, but I'm also betting on you that people are going to need my services in Swarm City. Like I, I, I do communications for Swarm City. Someone, someone's hashtag, someone who owns a marketplace or someone who owns a hive is going to want me to help them do communications for their hive or their hashtag. Same thing with the dev team, right? The dev team is just a hive. And at some point, they're going to say, oh, can you build me a storefront? And the, 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 uh, the dev team can say, yeah, we'll do that. But we, you know, for every transaction that goes through the storm, uh, the storefront that I'm building for you, you're going to need to pay .011. It's the Linux model. It's the WordPress model. Here it is for free. But if you want the best service you can get, why wouldn't you come to the people that built it? That's right. Ah, makes sense. Yes. And we're also like, there's other ways. Like we've we've got other sort of projects that that we're we've uh, that are in the pipeline that app we'll start to work on after uh, after you know the storefronts are or the concept has been done, that hives are done, and hashtags are all done, and the ecosystem's solid. There's some other like um, I know I, I'm it's been a long time since I've mentioned this, but there's a there's this uh, idea of a, a way to sort of crowdfund to to make things happen so if like if a group of people within the swarm city ecosystem would like a certain a certain type of dev to happen well they can crowdfund in a way to do that and there's a we've, we've created this objective way to do it using a trello board and an eth plugin called trellith uh 
but uh, you know, it's sort of it's that's sort of down the line. But but yeah, anyway, other stuff done first, right? Yeah. So that people can actually you know, use I, it. I love this idea. So basically, what you're telling me is, um, Jack, create a company, market the yep. shit out of it, benefit the ecosystem, and take a piece. Yeah. 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 That's. That's it's it's it, it. I knew how I knew this was powerful. I didn't realize it was that powerful. I don't know if we've of the interviews I've heard with you. I don't know that anybody's dug into it quite that, from that deep before. So that's yeah. really cool because I've been trying to figure out how to skin this thing, and it's just part of it was my intuition was right. It's not all ready yet. That's correct. Yeah, I mean, we still need, like I said, uh, version two of of Boardwalk and and the storefronts, but then hives need to, hives are another smart contract. And, and the cool thing about hives is they're different. We can make them so they're different governance models. So okay. the person who creates the hive can choose if they want like a straight up democracy because a hive will generate income too. They'll say, if you're a driver in my driving hive, um, if you want to be in my hive and you'll, you'll pay X amount of your, of your income of deals that you do as, you know, as a, as a member of my hive, You'll pay into like our hive fund, right? A certain amount will go into our hive fund. And if you set up your hive as a democracy, well, then everybody might have an equal vote on how to use those funds, mm. like maybe for marketing or for more development or do some work on a storefront or whatever. Or you could be a dictator. Sure. <laughs> and say, no, all the funds generated are for me and I'm going to do with what I want. Or it could be based on reputation. Like if you, this person has, has brought in a million dollars into the hives and this person's only brought in, uh, you know, a hundred thousand. Well, they get ten times the say because they've done ten times the business. So meritocracy. That's right. Yeah. So there's different ways that that uh, that users who create hives will be able to govern it too. So we still have to do, you know, work on that as well. Well, what I love about that though is when somebody bitches, well, go do it the way you think it should be. Exactly. Because yeah, I, it lowers, if I had it lowers, a dollar for every time I said that to somebody bitching about something, I'd have a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it lowers like uh, the barrier of entry. Like right now, I use this example all the time. Say we hate, you know, we don't like the way insurance companies work. Well, for us to create an insurance company, we we need billions, right, to deal with all the the red tape and and to you know to market versus all those huge companies that are in the space. But in Swarm City, you just create your hashtag or create your hot. It's easy. Yeah, it's like an instant corporation in a way because it exists as an entity, and then you just drive it, but I would also think that it would be, you know, one of the reasons you form a LLC or an S corp or a C corp is legal protection, and kind of hard to get at this thing, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't think we really know. There's no legal precedent yet, but it seems more complicated, sure. right? Like to go after, like you know, they call piercing the corporate veil or something like that, or to sue your entity because, well. Maybe it should be handled inside this swarm city because it's really a virtual nation, right? Like that's how dispute resolution eventually, I think, would have to come out. Because how do you go after somebody's hashtag as you know going through the magistrate of Tarrant County? It, it seems very, very complicated. Like they wouldn't yeah. even know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah. So I think like I think it's it's the internal reputation that will dictate the good actors again, though, right? Sure, so like yeah. if you're a, if you do a bad job as a hashtag owner, people aren't going to stop using your hashtag. Sure. Or if if you're a hive with bad reputation, so hive hives who do, so we'll use the rideshare one again, but a driver's hive who is operating in hashtag need a ride, their the hive's reputation is a sum of all of their drivers' reputation in hashtag need a ride. So if you're a rider 
and, and you have the option to choose a driver from a particular hive, you're going to look at their reputation and say, oh, well, you know, this hive's got a million rep and this hive's got two rep. Hmm, I wonder who is maybe maybe the yeah. one I want to choose, right? Yeah. So so I, I think that's what will happen is, like, we don't need all that other stuff because the market will just basically kill any, any bad actor. And you'll probably have, like, really great guilds of these hives and you'll probably have like individual like badasses that are just really good that are almost like independent artists that stand yeah. apart and then people pick and choose what they want to do within that ecosystem that's right it just gives a, a bit more a lot more transparency and a lot more choice to to everybody but knowing that we have a way to to show our reputation so that you know we can let that be our our guide Very cool. So what is kind of your developmental timeline? Like, how, how are you expecting this to, to work out? When does, you know, what get delivered? Because what I've been impressed with is, like you guys said you were going to get boardwalk done, and I saw a lot of scuttlebutt going on, but in the end, it got done right about the time it was uh, it was promised. Yeah, it did get done. <laughs> I mean, it, it got done clunky. But we so we learned some really valuable lessons with that. Like, the... Our, the, 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 the devs, King Flurical and Spawnet are extremely talented, creative developers. Um, but they are, uh, they are, they perform better in that capacity. And so what we needed was people, other devs, we needed to attract other devs who are really good at making production, um, quality, you know, qu quality dev work, right? So you've got the creative, like, I need, I have, let's solve these awesome problems and get together and it's fun. And it's like, you know, creating a symphony. It's, it's artistic, but we also needed the nuts and bolts guys too. And so really the expression that happened with boardwalk version one is the very creative, like raw one. And it works and it's beautiful. And like I said, I don't think it had ever been done before. So it's groundbreaking, but now we're taking the time to make sure that like it, see, you know, there's, there are little things like it doesn't work well on iOS Um, or, you know, it, it, you can't cancel a deal. Like there are, there are certain, these certain things that, that, that should happen to make it easier for users that the, like the production dev, uh, part of the dev team is really working on. So you asked timeline one, well, we learned our lesson though. We're not going to give any more dates on, on, a, on anything, okay. but, but very soon with boardwalk V2, like very soon. Okay. Um, they are like coming right along. I mean, even if people want to come into our Slack, and go into our dev channel, they can see like almost by minute, as long as people are up, there's like new dev work that shows up there. It's pretty cool. What I've um, learned in my, my background is the the customer facing comfortable part often is more difficult than the back end, but the back end has to come first. Like yeah. I used to be a partner in a company called Syrian that developed um, analytical software that uses its self-learning algorithms for telecommunications companies like let's say AT&T Wireless. And yep. it would actually analyze their entire nodes and determine, like, where equipment needed to be upgraded, how you could defer CapEx, things like that. And developing the back end was one thing, but then developing it so that the engineer using it could use it without having to learn everything our people knew, that was complicated. Sure. More complicated than you'd think on some levels. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's all about being user friendly on that front end. I mean, it needs to be, it needs to work extremely well. So it, it, you know, it needs to be dev well on the back end, but it also, it's gotta, it has to look good and feel right and be very comfortable, intuitive on the front end. So when your grandma can use it, it's right. I mean, that's, that's right. You know? Yeah. 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 
uh, Florkel always says, yeah, my mom. If my mom looks at it and knows what to do, then then I've done what I needed to do. <laughs> Very cool. So um, how can people learn more and participate? I mean, like when I go to Swarm.City now, it immediately knows it's me. Uh, I log in, so I don't see a blog or anything like that. You mentioned Slack. Uh, what, what else? Yeah. So if you go to Swarm.City and you're not logged in, so the, the URL is the app, basically, but if you're not log in, logged in, um, there's a there's a link for another for like a subsite called thisis.swarm.city, and that's where we're really going to start putting um, like more details about what the project is. It needed to be outside. It needed to be on a different. Um, it needed to be on a subsite to Swarm City. So that's the best place I would say. Thisis.swarm.city, and there's links there. There's you know videos and and stuff. And I'm actually adding to this. This subsite now I'm working on another section for it and I'm going to keep building it out. But on there you can find links to Slack, um, which is where our community is. And if you wanted to talk to our developers, that's where you would go or I'm in there all the time, obviously. Um, it also has a link to the medium is where we do our, our blog, basically any announcements that happen or dev updates. Uh, it's a link there. So it's that subsite's really the, the, or GitHub too. So if you're a developer and you want to, you want to see everything. If you go to thisis.swarm.city, you can have links to all these places, you know, to our Reddit as well. And, uh, you know, whatever appeals to you, that's, that's where you can go and find it. But Slack, have, Slack, Slack is a good place or GitHub, GitHub's a good place. Medium is good for announcements. I'll make sure I put links to all that stuff into the show notes today. And, cool. Thank you. And I, I really appreciate you being with us today, Matthew. I, I do think that, that Swarm City is an interesting thing, the name City with that, that it does seem to be taking on the architecture of a virtual nation. And like when, yeah. when bit nation popped up, I'm like, great, this is what I've been talking about. Like, well, it doesn't do anything. It, it, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not putting them down cause I want it to do something, but it, it, I can't see that it does anything. And it really, what the purpose of governance is, is to protect individual rights and enable commerce. That that's, That's, in a nutshell, the main reason people tolerate all the other crap. And, yeah. and, and that's what you guys are trying to do, man. So I'm, I'm, I'm really pretty stoked about it. Cool. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I, I mean, we're gonna, we're just, we're trying our best to, to, to get it out there. And I mean, I'm looking forward to using it too. So, yeah. you know, I, I wait with bated breath as well, you know? Well, I mean, like, that's one of the things I love when I ask you, like, well, what's your long-term monetization model? We want to build it so we can use it. That's, That's mission oriented, and that usually goes a lot better than we want to build it so we can sell it and make a shitload of money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean it's our sandbox. <laughs> we we just want to play in it. It's our sandbox. We know it's voluntarism incarnate in real life. This is how this is how we be nice to people. Voluntarism we... incarnate in real life. Love yeah, that. I'm uh, stealing that. Okay. <laughs> there's a there's a meme on Facebook, and it's like the Somali warrior with a gun over his shoulder, and it says, "Your meme belongs to me now." Well. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> anyway, man, I, I really appreciate you being with us today, Matt. Thanks for having me. It, the great interview, really cool guy, and I'm I'm really excited about seeing where Swarm City goes in the future. I, I think it's one of the most unique and innovative uh, things to come out of the cryptocurrency world. Instead of just here's a new coin and we called it this and this is what people are supposed to do with it, and we don't really know how that's going to happen. An actual ecosystem, as it were, uh, designed to enable commerce that works with a specific cryptocurrency for a specific reason. Uh, that's what I think we need to see more from the cryptocurrency space to uh, to get things done. Anyway, uh, really liked having Matthew on. 
I want to remind you guys here at the end of the show, as always, if you want to help support the show and the work we do, a, a painless way to do that. I mean, something that doesn't really cost you anything other than a couple extra seconds of your time is where you're going to shop online. Just go to tspaz.com first, T-S-P-A-Z.com first. And when you get to tspaz.com, you can click a link there and do your online shopping. And no matter what you buy, You'll help support the Survival Podcast and stuff that I promise you you were going to buy anyway. Um, doesn't cost an extra penny to do that. I also keep my Amazon reviews there for you, and I have the item of the day that I've reviewed for you today is GS Plant Foods Liquid Kelp Fertilizer. Liquid Kelp is part of my core nutrient program for my plants. And it does provide some nitrogen and potassium and phosphorus, some NPK, uh, in the neighborhood of about 2%, 0.23%, and 5%. But that's really not what I use liquid kelp for. I use liquid kelp because it provides 70 bioavailable nutrients for your plants. 70. Okay? So that means if your plants need it, they probably can get it from liquid kelp when it comes to the nutrients and micronutrients that your plant needs. And in our modern world where everybody's using some sort of fertilizer, be it compost, an organic fertilizer, or even you know a conventional fertilizer, which I don't recommend, NPK is seldom the problem with plants that are yellowy and look like they have chlorosis or are just not doing very well or things getting blossom end rot and stuff like that or over over uh, affected pest pressure that just seems like it's like that one plant or that group of plants is just being hit harder by pests than every other plant. It's nutrient deficiencies. Liquid kelp fixes that. This stuff is affordable. It works. A little bit goes a long way. To learn more, just read the whole write-up I have on it. But the reason I brought this around, and recently I brought uh, back my Dr. Earth uh, fertilizer I recommend. I'll probably bring around Garrett Juice. And those are my three items in the main core, and then I have a few other things that I recommend you do for your plants. Is because we're now in fall. And this is the time to be out there and fertilizing that stuff for fall production, for the end of the year production, or you're putting in your plants that you're going to take into production in the fall. This is the time to get that added fertility into them. Or this is the time to go out there and those perennials that are going to be overwintered, get them a good foliar spray, get them a good charge up before they drop their leaves so they have lots of energy to drop in those roots for spring. Again, GS Plant Foods Natural Liquid Kelp Fertilizer. It is the best product I've found for this particular need, which, again, is really making sure your plants have the nutrients and micro and macronutrients that they require for optimum growth. And always, you can just help us out no matter what you're going to buy. I don't care if you're buying diapers for your dog. If you go to tspaz.com and you shop there first, when you buy your doggy diapers, you help support the Survival Podcast. How easy is that? Uh, next up, let's talk about the song of the day. Because of some things, I actually got ahead, I actually, uh, skipped some songs on John Adams' list. So there's a couple songs we skipped today. But this is the song that he had set up for today's episode. It doesn't really have a direct correlation to Swarm City at all, but I, I did it because I love the song. I love the sound of the song. I love the passion of the song. And now that I know the full meaning of the song, I love that too. It's by a band called the Goo Goo Dolls, and I know some people kind of don't like the Goo Goo Dolls because they think they're like, you know, they take punk mainstream and it's not punk anymore because it really isn't. I, I don't care. It's good music. It, it's it, They're one of the most unique sounding and awesome bands out there, in my opinion, that are still making music and, and, and dramatically talented. Now, here's the story of this, this song, which is called um, We're Not Broken, or not, I'm sorry, Not Broken. Um... 
The Google Doll singer and guitarist Johnny Riznick was inspired to pen this song by a traumatic situation faced by a casualty during the occupation of Iraq. He told the story behind this song to Artist Direct. It's based on some communications I had with a woman whose husband was a soldier in Iraq. He's paralyzed now and doesn't want to come home because he's afraid that she's not going to see him the way he was. He has a huge amount of anxiety and he's been hiding out from her because he's afraid. She's not going to think he's the man that he was. She loves him very, very much and her letter really moved me. I wanted to write a love letter for, from her to him. You know that I'm here. I love you and nothing's going to change. I was imagining the anxiety that this guy is feeling. He's a kid, 26 or 27. He's got his whole life ahead of him. He's doing the right things. Then all of a sudden, boom. In an instant, your life completely changes. Life will always come at you on its own terms, and we have to learn how to face that and adapt. I just wanted to speak for other people more so than for myself on this album. Um, yeah. What a great song also for the people that were injured, let's say, in Las Vegas at the shooting, or the family members that now have to go on missing someone as well. Because those people are injured even if they weren't physically injured. When, you, when your wife or your husband or your child is taken from you, it's an injury at the highest level. But here's the thing. And this is where I know some of my initial comments on Vegas may have seemed a little bit cold. They weren't. You know, other than just we need to wait to see before we start coming up with a thousand conspiracy theories and stuff like that, get as much information as we can first. What I also said was, in the end, those people that died are a small number compared to the people that die every week, every month, every year in the United States of various tragedies. That's not to put them down. That's, that's a, a fundamental reality. There's over 30,000 people a year that die in car accidents. There's over 30,000 people a year that go to such lengths of pain that they take their own lives. The number one cause of death in hospitals is, is not the illness that the people went for. It's, it's, it's mistakes by doctors. One of the biggest causes of death in this country is properly prescribed medication that causes side effects. People die all the time. People are tragically injured all the time. Lives are tragically altered all the time. And the one thing that Johnny Riznick, who, who wrote this song, wants to believe that isn't going to be true here is that nothing is going to change. Because she loves him that much, nothing is going to change. Because here's what will always change in a situation like this. The individual that went through the trauma. Even if the partner or the family member or what have you is willing to accept them, After this, they'll change. This is why the majority of our prisoners of war from Vietnam had that, that were married, had spouses that waited for them to come home, but yet ended up divorced. It wasn't that they couldn't accept the person back. It's the person that came back wasn't the same. And in, in, in some instances, it was the death knell of a relationship. But we get to choose in all of these things how we adapt to what happens to us in life. And we have no choice in some levels about what's going to happen to us. We can make good, solid decisions, and that makes bad things less likely to happen. But it wasn't a bad decision to go see Jason Aldean, unless you don't like his music. And yet, people's lives were forever tragically altered. I saw, when I was a very young man, in my early 20s, a girl riding a bicycle. 
on a street coming across an intersection. The light was there for her to cross. She did nothing wrong. But a guy in a, in a, in a huge truck flew through a red light and hit her. And I watched her body fly about 30 yards through the air and slam into a telephone pedestal so hard that it broke it from the ground. And her life ended like that. I didn't know who she was. It was a pretty traumatic experience, but I didn't know who she was. I had a distance of being a stranger and realized there was nothing to do. She was dead on when the truck hit her, let alone when she hit the ground. But somewhere, somebody wept for her in ways that I can only imagine. But it's up to us what we do when life tries to break us. Do we say, you've won, I'm broken? Or do we say, I'm not broken, I'm only battered, and I'm not done? With that, this has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Help me figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. chance to make you understand and tell you these forgotten truths you never thought were real and if the world should turn its back you know that I'm still here Steals your sleep and scrawl these words upon your.